0: Section six of The Fairy Tales of Charles Perrault. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fairy Tales of Charles Perrault by Charles Perrault. Translated by Robert Samber and J. E. Mansion. Cinderella, or the Little Glass Slipper. Once there was a gentleman who married, for his second wife, the proudest and most haughty woman that ever was seen. She had, by a former husband, two daughters of her own humour, and they were indeed exactly like her in all things. He had likewise, by another wife, a young daughter, but of unparalleled goodness and sweetness of temper, which she took from her mother, who was the best creature in the world. No sooner were the ceremonies of the wedding over, but the stepmother began to shew herself in her colours. She could not bear the good qualities of this pretty girl, and the less because they made her own daughters appear the more odious. She employed her in the meanest work of the house. She scoured the dishes, tables, etc., and rubbed Madame's chamber and those of Mrs., her daughters. She lay up in a sorry garret upon a wretched straw bed, while her sisters lay in fine rooms, with floors all inlaid, upon beds of the very newest fashion, and where they had looking-glasses so large that they might see themselves at their full length from head to foot. The poor girl bore all patiently, and dared not tell her father, who would have rattled her off, for his wife governed him entirely. When she had done her work she used to go into her chimney-corner, and sit down among cinders and ashes, which made her commonly be called cinder-breech. But the youngest, who was not so rude and uncivil as the eldest, called her Cinderilla, because Cinderilla, notwithstanding her mean apparel, was a hundred times handsomer than her sisters, though they were always dressed very richly. It happened that the king's son gave a ball and invited all persons of fashion to it. Our young misses were also invited, for they cut a very grand figure among the quality. They were mightily delighted at this invitation and wonderfully busy in choosing out such gowns, petticoats, and head-clothes as might best become them. This was a new trouble to Cinderella, for it was she who ironed her sister's linen, and plaited their ruffles. They talked all day long of nothing but how they should be dressed. "'For my part,' said the eldest, "'I will wear my red velvet suit with French trimming. And I,' said the youngest, "'shall only have my usual petticoat, but then to make amends for that,' i will put on my gold-flowered manteau and my diamond stomacher which is far from being the most ordinary one in the world they sent for the best tire-woman they could get to make up their headdresses and adjust their double pinners and they had their red brushes and patches from the fashionable maker cinderella was likewise called up to them to be consulted in all these matters for she had excellent notions and advised them always for the best nay and offered her service to dress their heads "'which they were very willing she should do. "'As she was doing this, they said to her, "'Cinderella, would you not be glad to go to the ball?' "'Ah!' said she, "'you only jeer at me. "'It is not for such as I am to go thither.' "'Thou art in the right of it,' replied they. "'It would make the people laugh to see a cinder-breach at a ball.' "'Any one but Cinderella would have dressed their heads or "'but she was very good, and dressed them perfectly well. "'They were almost two days without eating.' So much they were transported with joy. They broke above a dozen of laces in trying to be laced up close that they might have a fine slender shape, and they were continually at their looking-glass. At last the happy day came. They went to court, and Cinderella followed them with her eyes as long as she could, and when she had lost sight of them, she fell a-crying. Her godmother, who saw her all in tears, asked her what was the matter. "'I wish I could. I wish I could.' She was not able to speak the rest, being interrupted by her tears and sobbing. This godmother of hers, who was a fairy, said to her, "'Thou wishest thou couldst go to the ball, is it not so?' "'Yes,' cried Cinderella with a great sigh. "'Well,' said her godmother, "'be but a good girl, and I will contrive that thou shalt go.' Then she took her into the chamber and said to her, "'Run into the garden and bring me a pumpkin.' Cinderella went immediately to gather the finest she could get, and brought it to her godmother, not being able to imagine how this pumpkin could make her go to the ball. Her godmother scooped out all the inside of it, leaving nothing but the rind, which done she struck it with her wand, and the pumpkin was instantly turned into a fine coach, gilded all over with gold. She then went to look into her mouse trap, where she found six mice all alive, and ordered Cinderella to lift up a little the trap-door, which giving each mouse, as it went out, a little tap with her wand, the mouse was at that moment turned into a fair horse, which altogether made a very fine set of six horses of a beautiful mouse-coloured dapple-gray. Being at a loss for a coachman, I will go and see, said Cinderella, if there be never a rat in the rat-trap, that we may make a coachman of him. "'Thou art in the right,' replied her godmother. "'Go and look.' Cinderilla brought the trap to her, and in it there were three huge rats. The fairy made choice of one of the three, which had the largest beard, and having touched him with her wand, he was turned into a fat, jolly coachman who had the smartest whiskers eyes ever beheld. After that, she said to her, "'Go again into the garden, and you'll find six lizards behind the watering-pot. Bring them to me." She had no sooner done so, but her godmother turned them into six footmen who skipped up immediately behind the coach, with their liveries all bedaubed with gold and silver, and clung as close behind it, as if they had done nothing else their whole lives. The fairy then said to Cinderella, Well, you see here an equipage fit to go to the ball with. Are you not pleased with it? Oh, yes, cried she, but must I go thither as I am in these poison-nasty rags? Her godmother only just touched her with her wand, and at the same instant Her clothes were turned into cloth of gold and silver, all beset with jewels. This done, she gave her a pair of glass slippers, the prettiest in the whole world. Being thus decked out, she got up into her coach, but her godmother, above all things, commanded her not to stay till after midnight, telling her, at the same time, that if she stayed at the ball, one moment longer, her coach would be a pumpkin again, her horses, mice, her coachman a rat— her footmen lizards, and her clothes become just as they were before. She promised her godmother she would not fail of leaving the ball before midnight, and then away she drove, scarce able to contain herself for joy. The king's son, who was told that a great princess, whom nobody knew, was come, ran out to receive her. He gave her his hand as she alighted out of the coach, and led her into the hall among all the company. There was immediately a profound silence— they left off dancing, and the violins ceased to play. So attentive was every one to contemplate the singular beauty of this unknown newcomer. Nothing was then heard but a confused noise of, "'Ah, how handsome she is! Ah, how handsome she is!' The King himself, old as he was, could not help ogling her, and telling the Queen softly, that it was a long time since he had seen so beautiful and lovely a creature. All the ladies were busied in considering her clothes and headdress that they might have some made next day after the same pattern, provided they could meet with such fine materials and as able hands to make them. The king's son conducted her to the most honourable seat and afterwards took her out to dance with him. She danced so very gracefully that they all more and more admired her. A fine collation was served up, whereof the young prince ate not a morsel. "'so intently was he busied in gazing on her. "'She went and sat down by her sisters, shewing them a thousand civilities, "'giving them part of the oranges and citrons "'which the prince had presented her with, "'which very much surprised them, "'for they did not know her. "'While Cinderella was thus amusing her sisters, "'she heard the clock strike eleven and three quarters, "'whereupon she immediately made a curtsey to the company "'and hasted away as fast as she could.' Being got home, she ran to seek out her godmother, and after having thanked her, she said, She could not but heartily wish she might go next day to the ball, because the king's son had desired her. As she was eagerly telling her godmother whatever had passed at the ball, her two sisters knocked at the door, which Cinderella ran and opened. "'How long have you stayed?' cried she, gaping, rubbing her eyes and stretching herself, as if she had been just awakened out of her sleep she had not however any manner of inclination to sleep since they went from home if thou hadst been at the ball said one of her sisters thou wouldst not have been tired with it there came thither the finest princess the most beautiful ever was seen with mortal eyes she shewed us a thousand civilities and gave us oranges and citrons cinderella was transported with joy she asked them the name of that princess but they told her they did not know it and that the king's son was very anxious to learn it, and would give all the world to know who she was. At this Cinderella, smiling, replied, "'She must then be very beautiful indeed. Lord, how happy have you been! Could not I see her? Ah, dear Miss Charlotte, do lend me your yellow suit of clothes, which you wear every day.' "'I'd be sure,' cried Miss Charlotte, "'lend my clothes to such a dirty cinder as thou art. Who's the fool, then?' Cinderella indeed expected some such answer, and was very glad of the refusal, for she would have been sadly put to it if her sister had lent her what she asked for jestingly. The next day the two sisters were at the ball, and so was Cinderella, but dressed more magnificently than before. The king's son was always by her, and never ceased his compliments and amorous speeches to her, to whom all this was so far from being tiresome that she quite forgot what her godmother had recommended to her— So that she, at last, counted the clock striking twelve, when she took it to be no more than eleven, she rose up and fled as nimble as a deer. The prince followed, but could not overtake her. She left behind one of her glass slippers, which the prince took up most carefully. She got home, but quite out of breath, without coach or footman, and in her nasty old clothes, having nothing left her of all her finery but one of the little slippers, fellow to that she dropped. The guards of the palace gate were asked if they had not seen a princess go out, who said they had seen nobody go out but a young girl, very meanly dressed, and who had more the air of a poor country wench than a gentlewoman. When the two sisters returned from the ball, Cinderella asked them if they had been well diverted, and if the fine lady had been there. They told her yes, but that she hurried away immediately when it struck twelve, and with so much haste that she dropped one of her little glass slippers the prettiest in the world, and which the king's son had taken up, that he had done nothing but look at it during all the latter part of the ball, and that most certainly he was very much in love with the beautiful person who owned the little slipper. What they said was very true, for a few days after the king's son caused it to be proclaimed, by sound of trumpet, that he would marry her whose foot this slipper would just fit. They whom he employed began to try it upon the princesses, and the duchesses and all the court, but in vain it was brought to the two sisters who did all they possibly could to thrust their feet into the slipper, but they could not effect it. Cinderella, who saw all this and knew her slipper, said to them, laughing, "Let me see if it will not fit me." Her sisters burst out a-laughing and began to banter her. The gentleman who was sent to try the slipper, looked earnestly at Cinderella and finding her very handsome said it was but just that she should try, and that he had orders to let every one make trial. He invited Cinderella to sit down, and putting the slipper to her foot, he found it went on very easily, and fitted her, as if it had been made of wax. The astonishment her two sisters were in was excessively great, but still abundantly greater, when Cinderella pulled out of her pocket the other slipper, and put it on her foot. Thereupon in came her godmother, who, having touched with her wand Cinderella's clothes, made them richer and more magnificent than any of those she had before. And now her two sisters found her to be that fine, beautiful lady whom they had seen at the ball. They threw themselves at her feet, to beg pardon for all the ill-treatment they had made her undergo. Cinderella took them up, and as she embraced them, cried that she forgave them with all her heart, and desired them always to love her she was conducted to the young prince dressed as she was he thought her more charming than ever and a few days after married her cinderella who was no less good than beautiful gave her two sisters lodgings in the palace and that very same day matched them with two great lords of the court the moral beauties to the sex a treasure still admired beyond all measure and never yet was any known by still admiring weary grown but that rare quality called grace exceeds by far a handsome face. Its lasting charms surpass the other, and this rich gift her kind godmother bestowed on Cinderella fair, whom she instructed with such care. She gave to her such graceful mien that she thereby became a queen. For thus, may ever truth prevail, we draw our moral from this tale. This quality, fair ladies know, prevails much more you'll find it so to engage and captivate a heart than a fine head dressed up with art the fairy's gift of greatest worth is grace of bearing not high birth without this gift we'll miss the prize possession gives us wings to rise another a great advantage tis no doubt to man to have wit courage birth good sense and brain and other such like qualities which we "'received from heaven's kind hand in destiny. "'But none of these rich graces from above "'to your advancement in the world will prove "'if godmothers and sires you disobey "'or against their strict advice too long you stay.'" End of Cinderella or the Little Glass Slipper